In May of 2000, Allison Thresher vanished from her small apartment in Bethesda, Maryland. It was the night before she was supposed to start a new position with the Washington Post. She's never been found, but the mystery surrounding Allison's disappearance has only deepened in the time she's been gone. This is a story of betrayal, anger, stunning accusations, and family secrets unearthed. There are strange coincidences and odd connections, but it is also a story about survival, forgiveness, and incredible courage. What did Allison Thresher know, and who wanted her gone? As you're about to learn, there are many answers to both questions and new clues that are only being revealed in this podcast. Melanie Alnwick, a reporter for the Fox station in Washington, D.C. Allison's disappearance was a big story in the summer and fall of that year. Most reports, including my own, described Allison as a 45-year-old divorced mother of two who was about to start a new job as an editor for TheWashingtonPost.com. I wanted to learn more about who Allison Thresher was and what was going on in her life. Some of those details are pieces of the puzzle that is now coming together. Allison was just really such a such a fun person. She she was always doing things for me growing up that were just really fun. And and you know all her friends can remember her as as being kind of mischievous with a with a twinkle in her eye, which I I just know exactly what they're talking about because like everyone would be being really you know serious or something, and she would sort of look out with this little twinkle in her eye and come up with some kind of incredible pun or just, you know, just really kind of pointing out the silliness of people in the world. And and, and she just had a great sense of humor. Um, and she really did. That's Sarah Thomas, Allison's younger sister. Sarah and I first met five days after Allison disappeared. Back then, there was still hope she'd be found quickly. She tells me their family moved from Kansas to Maryland in 1969, and both girls graduated from Bethesda Chevy Chase High School, just outside Washington, D.C. She was very delicate, uh, like my mother's side of the family, just very, very small, very delicate, very pretty, um, and very full of zest and life, and, you know, always had something something going on. You must really miss creative. her so much. I, I do miss her so much all the time. Allison graduated from Kenyon College, majoring in Greek literature and classics. Her love of language led her to a career in writing. She had her own freelance business and did work from time to time at the Washington Post. There was a brief marriage, then Allison met Jim Thresher. They were very, very I just thought they were very much in love. You know, she she said to me, I hope that you can find a, a man as wonderful as Jim, but I think after God made Jim, he broke the mold. I mean, they were just very, very much in love. Jim and Allison were married on June 16, 1984. They lived on a boat in Fells Point, and Sarah says they had all kinds of adventures together. They were often taking my son sailing or, or you know, just doing so many nice things for us. And, and Allison and Jim took us to Vermont, um, my son and I, when he was three. And um, 
you know, it just showed us a really good time, took us skiing, and, and we, we always, you know, we were, we were very close. Four years later, daughter Hannah was born. Jim and Allison sold the boat and moved to a two-story brick colonial in University Park, not far from the University of Maryland. Then a son, Sam, came along. She was always doing something for me and my parents or other people. She she volunteered at Martha's Table. Um, even when she had two young children of her own, my son was struggling at elementary school. She started going there once a week and having lunch with him and helping him organize his desk, you know, while I was working. Um, but she was also raising two children and, and working with late into the night with her business and, you know, but making that sacrifice for her nephew. She had a business called Thresher and Associates and um, it was a pretty, you know, it was a pretty, and I would say it was pretty, it was full time. I mean, she was working hard. She often, you know, was traveling to conferences and writing, you know, big reports for neighborhood reinvestment groups. Um, her business seemed to be mostly about housing issues. Um, so she was, you know, working late into the night and then, you know, taking, dealing with the children during the day and then, you know, working late into the night again. So she, she was working really hard. The family attended church at a Delphi Friends meeting, a Quaker community. Jim and Allison were active members of the board at the church's school, Friends Community School in College Park, where the children started kindergarten. Hannah, now in her 30s, remembers those days fondly. We had a, a happy childhood by all means. You know, we lived in a wonderful house and, you know, in a great neighborhood where we were able to sort of, you know, just like run around all day every day with, with other kids who lived around us. and. You know, because we had this big, great backyard, and my dad built us a tree house, and we had two really great dogs growing up. So, I mean, so many, you know, that sort of was our happy place, you know, as a family. We're sitting on Hannah's couch at her modest apartment in Tacoma Park. She's grown to look even more like her mother, except Hannah keeps her hair its natural caramel brown, and she wears it in a long, side-swept braid. She still tends to darker clothing, but her home is accented with bright, bold statement pieces of art and one very large black cat with piercing yellow eyes named T-Rex. The rain spatters down outside and T-Rex lounges in the window as we talk, first about the good times and then the bad. We would go up to Vermont for vacation every summer, um, which is where my father's family is from. And so that was always, a, you know, a really special time. Um, and, you know, every once in a while we'd go on like a beach vacation and that was, you know, um, we definitely went to the mountains more than the beach. Yeah, but, your, dad, you know, your dad was an outdoorsman. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, he passed that on to my brother and I and we would go rock climbing out at Carter Rock all the time and um, we'd go camping a lot and... Uh, and yeah, take, you know, two week trips up to Vermont every summer to just sort of, you know, hang out in the mountains. And I would take horseback riding lessons and, um, and you know, it was, it was a good time. It was sort of idyllic. You know, that was, you know, there was sort of that time and then everything else, you know, that, and, you know, 
unfortunately divorce happens and that is what happened and then that's sort of when there was a shift um, and you know things changed. Allison and Jim had grown apart. Jim, a photographer for the Washington Post, had an unpredictable schedule and traveled a lot for work. Allison was taking care of the kids and trying to establish herself as a writer. Allison's sister, Sarah Thomas. When did you realize that things weren't going well in their marriage? Well, I mean, I, I don't... I guess when, <laughs> I mean, they didn't, Allison was pretty private about, about things. Jim started um, being very public about their, their problems. But when I, when I asked Allison, she said um, she wasn't going to go there. She didn't want to cause any more um, problems for her children. And it just didn't work. The marriage just didn't work. And that was all she for her anymore, she, uh, her emotion, she, and she wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna say anymore. But Allison and Jim's divorce records say a lot. I found them in the Prince George's County archives. The couple was financially strapped, not just from the private school tuition. Allison's complaint says they had to take out a second mortgage to pay off Jim's credit card debts. I'm quoting here from the court records. Debts, quote, incurred to purchase guns, hunting equipment, camping equipment, power tools, boating equipment, and other items of personal property. She says Jim has, quote, engaged in cruelty and excessively vicious conduct that he, quote, intimidated, threatened, harassed, stalked, followed, and photographed her, and that he, quote, possesses multiple rifles and shotguns. Jim sued Allison for divorce first, then she countersued. Jim's complaint alleges Allison was an unstable mother who deserted the marriage and committed adultery. She was dating other people, right? Yeah, I, I think she... Allison was a woman who men just, you know, were... She, <laughs> she was very beautiful and very uh, vibrant. And, and she, men were always Allison wanted Jim to pay his share of the debts, legal fees, alimony, and child support. Jim wanted Allison to pay her debts, part of his legal fees, as well as child support, plus money to keep the kids at Friends Community School. This was very important to Jim, but Allison was against it. Also in the divorce records, a terse letter from Allison to the school. That letter will become an important piece of evidence later. The legal battle went on for more than a year. The ensuing months were difficult for everyone. That has been one of the most painful things um, through all of this for the past, you know, 18 years is that, you know, I was, you know, I was awful to her for the last year of her life and I never, you know, I know she knows wherever she is that I'm sorry for it and I didn't mean it, but, um, but that has always been, you know, one of my, one of the things that sort of haunts me about this is that, you know, there was a time right after when she lived over in Tacoma Park, um, 
when she was shortly, like within a month or two of her moving out and um, them separating initially. So it was really new. And, and my brother and I were at her apartment, but we really wanted to go back home. And it, I, I don't think it was even about her. Um, you know, it wasn't that we didn't want to be with her. I think we just wanted things to be normal again and to, you know, go home because that was the only place we'd ever lived, really. Um, and she was really upset by it. I mean, you know, not screaming and crying, but she just, you know, it's like as I've gotten older, it's like I know how she felt now. And I didn't then. And those little things, you know, one time she, I was having a Halloween party um, at, you know, our childhood home and she had, she had moved out, but she lived in College Park and knew, knew that I was having this party and, um, showed up and, you know, it turned, she showed up to bring some cupcakes that she had made, um, and it turned into a fight because she showed up and my father was there and it, things were still pretty acrimonious between them. Um, and I was upset that it, that she had, you know, of course to me it was, oh, well, she started this fight and she started the drama and that's why it turned into this explosive fight. And, and I like threw the cupcakes that she had clearly worked really hard to make. Cause they were like from scratch in the trash. And cause I was so upset at her for doing this, even though, you know, I'm sure she, instigated a little bit but um but you know she it just it just everything as at that when, when you're at that point in a divorce or separation it seems to me like everything just escalates out of nowhere there doesn't even have to really be a reason the fight became physical allison said jim threw her off the porch and charged him with assault the case didn't go anywhere they both loved us so much that um that they both wanted to have us all the time. And so it just, that's where custody battles start and that's why they get so, so bad sometimes. Um, and, you know, they, they did everything they could not to put us in or, you know, pit the kids against each other kind of thing. Like they weren't trying to, to do that, but um, they definitely both wanted full custody. The divorce was finalized May 24, 1999. If you're taking notes, that's a date you'll want to write down. The judge didn't rule in Jim's favor. They'd be sharing custody of Hannah and Sam. The court also ordered Jim to pay Allison's legal fees, divide his 401k with her, and pay $701 a month in child support. Allison and Jim were now single parents, trying to juggle work and parenting schedules. In the midst of all that strife, the family found a friend at the school they thought they could rely on for help. Or maybe that friend found them. I think the fact that my dad and my mom were separating was pretty well known at a certain point. Um, and so I think he took full advantage of that and realizing that um, we were, our family was vulnerable. Vulnerable to what? Eventually, Allison finds out, but not for many months. We were a united front, and then we split, and it was much more fragile, much more easy to be infiltrated by a wolf. That's exactly what happened. A wolf infiltrated our family. That's Sam Thresher speaking to me from his home in Maine. 
He's got a lot more to say about that wolf. In our next episode, a mother's instinct leads to an angry clash. She was seriously protective, obviously, of Anna and Sam. What happened in the final days and hours before Allison was last seen and after are now crucial clues. Thank you for listening to this podcast and please subscribe to Missing Pieces for the rest of this incredible story. I couldn't have done this in-depth work without the help of other people, including my colleague, Fox 5 photographer and editor Ronnie McRae and the Montgomery County Police Department. We'd also like to give credit to Rose Audio for our original music. And a special thank you to Sarah Thomas, Allison Thresher's sister, and Allison's children, Hannah and Sam. They are survivors and strong and they're hoping you, the listeners, can help them find Allison Thresher. <laughs>